online, so I don't get to come to the 11 that often, so I'm really uh, I'm glad you welcomed me in. You didn't have a choice, but I'm so glad uh, to be here um, anyway. Um, I, if you don't know me, I'm married to Fiona, and we have two boys. We've got a two-year-old son called Bezalel and a four-week-old son called Elijah. So if I suddenly fall asleep... You know why. Um, over the last um, couple of Sundays, we've been looking at this series here, Finding Purpose Where You Are, um, looking at some characters from the Old Testament in the Bible, looking at their life, um, the impact that they had on their cities, the impact that they, they had seeing their cities transformed and changed, um, been looking at their unique attitudes, their different gifts and their skills, and seeing how we can learn from them in our own lives as well. Alex, our vicar, started off the series, and he said a couple of weeks ago, um, even even though we're looking at the um, idea of purpose, we didn't call the series Purpose or um, Discovering Your Life Goal. We called it here because your purpose isn't something that you're looking for. Your purpose is something that you are doing. Wherever you are right now and whatever you're doing, that is part of your purpose. And what we discover is that as soon as we begin to believe that what we're doing right now um, is our purpose, that what we are doing right now has purpose to it, when we start acting like what's in our hands and what's in front of us is God's um, plan to use us, then we begin to behave differently in our lives. We start seeing God's hand on our lives, crises become opportunities, problems become challenges, Challenges that we can learn and grow from. And so this series, we started by looking at the character of Nehemiah, um, who rebuilt a city, who saw what was broken and decided to dedicate himself to rebuilding that wall. That was his purpose. Week two, Catherine um, talked us through Daniel, who reshaped a city, who reshaped um, a, the culture of a city by living a distinct life. And this week, I want to look at the story of Esther. Uh, Esther redeemed a city by being daring. Um, Esther, who we'll read about in a moment, took this huge risk, but it had a huge impact for her city and for her people as well. If you, um, if you don't know the story of Esther, it's a really, really good one. It starts with this bizarre X-factor beauty pageant kind of thing um, where this king, King Xerxes, is um, looking for a new wife. He doesn't like the one he's got. And so um, Esther is one of the girls who could possibly um, win this competition and become queen. Um, she's a Jew, um, but her uncle Mordecai um, tells her to, to keep that a secret for quite a big chunk of the story. Anyway, she wins X Factor, becomes queen, um, but one of the king's officials, Haman, um, doesn't like her uncle Mordecai and doesn't like the Jews either. And um, he gets the king um, to sign off this law that, um, that begins this persecution and this, the killing of Jews in the area. So Mordecai, um, fearful for his life and fearful for the life of his people, um, sends this message to Esther, um, pleading with her, telling her what's happening and pleading with her to um, use her position um, of influence as the queen to, to speak to the king and to um, get the king to stop this persecution. And uh, so sends a message and we're going to pick up the story where Esther receives this message, and um, it's going to come up on the screen as well. This is Esther 4. Um, Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned by the king has but one law, that they would be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. 
But 30 days have passed since I was last called to go to the king. And when Esther's words were reported back to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, um, three, three days, nights or day. And I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will then go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Amen. Um, I would have loved to have spoken on just that, that last line. If I, if I die, I die. That's that's a risk there. I'd love, I would have loved to have talked about um, risk-taking um, this morning. Esther discovered her purpose in taking this big risk, risked her life, and in the end, the story turns out for good. But the more I've been thinking about purpose, and as we've been um, journeying through this series together and looking at these different characters um, who have these pur- purposeful lives, I've realized that purpose isn't this like external thing that we receive and we download it and then we just start, start doing it. Purpose, I think, and I've come to realize that it comes from, from within, from within us. How, it's how God created us to be and how God uniquely designed us to be. And this has become my understanding. Purpose is our identity in action. Purpose is our identity in action. Our identities precede our actions. Our behaviors flow from our identities. If we want to make a difference, if you want to have impact, make a difference in what you do, and you're unsure what the the do looks like, then start with the who. Start with who you are. Because when we know who we are, we'll know what to do. And the key to living life full of purpose is to see ourselves and to see our situations from a totally new perspective. God has a unique and particular purpose for each of us and for each of our situations that we go through in life. And the way to live that out and the way to step out in confidence into that life begins by having our perspective changed in how we view ourselves and in how we view our situations. So by seeing ourselves and seeing our situations the same way as God sees them, I believe our purpose in life becomes more clear. So let's look through those two there. How, the, how to see ourselves as God sees us. My, um, my dad um, sent me this um, picture the, the other day, and I was, I was a bit confused um, by it. Um, it. And it turns out the story behind it is um, he was just walking along somewhere, saw the, you know, those people who do these, these caricatures, um, and then he just um, got out his phone, got a picture of my two-year-old son, and just showed it to the man and said, draw him. Um, and, and put him on a Thomas the Tank Engine, because he likes Thomas. Um, and, uh, and there we go. And I was kind of like, yeah, I can, I can sort of see it's Bez. I can, I can make that out. But also, what is going on in, in that picture? Um, I don't know if you've ever had one of these drawn of you. I'm, I didn't realize it was still a thing. Um, but if you have, it, it's, you'll know it's both a depressing and a humiliating thing. Because um, you've wasted your money and it looks nothing like you. Um, but also, it kind of does look like you. And it's kind of revealing some harsh truths that you didn't quite realize about your life. Um, whenever I had them done, there was a lot of attention paid to my nose. Um, and when I would look at that picture, I think, is that what people, when they look at me, 
Is that what they see? <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, but more important when, than what others see us and how others see us, how we view ourselves is so important. The church leader, um, Alan Scott, says this. He says, the story you live in is the story that you live out. What that means is that if you live within a story and you tell yourself this story, live within this kind of narrative for your life that says, I'm not good enough, then we're unlikely to live out a life that's full of purpose and and passion. If the story we tell ourselves um, is one of discouragement and one full of self-doubt, then chances are that's what our lives will look like where we're not we don't feel encouraged all the time we 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 doubt ourselves we won't take risks in life if we believe ourselves incapable of doing anything good or if we believe it to be impossible how we see ourselves has a huge impact on the way we live out our lives the story you live in is the story you live out and even though for much of Esther's story she was she was encouraged to hide her identity as a Jew. You see in this story, she was always aware, always confident in who she was, part of God's family, Israelite, a Jew. And you see throughout her story this confidence in the way that she approaches her life and the things that she did and in, and in helping her to take the risk that she took. She was confident. When I was um, 15, uh, right up until I was 20, actually, I didn't see myself like that. I'd, I was externally confident, but I was totally messed up inside. I looked in the mirror and and all I saw back at me was a fraud. I saw a fake. I saw someone who was just insecure, um, someone who was a cheater, a liar, self-centered, arrogant. And even though I was aware of all those things, I I couldn't do anything about it. That's just who I am, I would would tell myself, and I can't change it. And and that behavior was just destructive. I, I, I would hurt people, I'd ruin relationships, and it drove me to a real breaking point towards self-harm and um, self-hatred and self-doubt. And as I've shared many times from the stage here before, in the midst of all of that, in the midst of going through all of that, anger and that pain and that self-hatred. God never gave up on me. God never gave up trying to get me to see a different perspective for my life, trying to tell a different story about who I was and the story that of who he said I was. Because where I saw a fraud, God looked at me and said, you're accepted. When I saw a failure, God looked at me and said, you are forgiven. And when I looked at myself and saw someone who was lost and just hopeless, God looked at me and said, I I gave my life for you so that you might know life in all its fullness. Identity matters, matters, sorry, matters. Um, Identity matters because our purpose will flow out of who we are. Our true identity in God then should give us confidence in our lives and in every situation. God says you are seen, you're loved, you're important, you're forgiven, you're accepted. You're a child of God and he is a good father. You are blessed and you are known. So let's not see ourselves the way the world sees us or perhaps even the way that we might at times tend to see ourselves. But let's see ourselves in light of how God sees us. Because the clearer you are about your identity, the clearer you are about who you are, the more consistent you're going to be with other people, the more confident you're going to be about the things that you do 
the less concerned you're going to be about the opinion of others and the less confused you're going to be about the purpose for your life. We need to see ourselves in the same light that God sees us. That's first. And then second is to see our situation, how God sees it. I don't know if um, you got to where you are today by mistake. Not, I don't mean literally today, but kind of what you're doing. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm in church. Um, <laughs> you could be here, you're very welcome. Um, but it, you know, you're, the job you're in, this city or where, you, where you're living, you, I don't know if you got there by mistake or by accident or you kind of fell into it or perhaps it's exactly how you planned it to be and that's why you're here. You, um, you expected yourself to be in this situation. But however you see your life right now and what you've got to, you will always, uh, God wants you to know that um, your situation is always an opportunity for him to move in your life. When Esther is unsure about her situation, unsure whether she should risk her life to redeem the Jewish people, Mordecai encourages her with these words. He says, who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Perhaps Esther thought she was queen for no other reason than her good looks and just a bit of luck. But Mordecai here, full of faith to see how God sees things says that it's for this very moment that she is queen, when no one else could speak for a people being killed, when no one else holds such a position of influence, when no one else would have had the opportunity, Esther, in that position, to do the right thing at the right time. She just needed to see her current situation the way God saw it, an opportunity for him to move. One of the um, first questions you, you might ask someone when you, when you meet them is... Um, what do you do? And some of you, um, I don't know if you tell, tell people what you do and you get a, a funny response. Let me tell you, it's nothing like the response I get when I tell people that I'm a priest in the Church of England. Um, and it's led to some um, varied reactions and really, really um, bizarre conversations. Strangely, talking to my hairdresser, um, when I told him I was, a, I was a priest, he was like, oh, let's talk about demons and ghosts because that's what a, a priest wants to talk about while he's getting his hair cut. Um, Yet other times, though, and in my worst moments, I don't want to tell people what I do, but other times it's led to some really um, incredible conversations um, because I can talk about actually the purpose that I'm involved in. And um, I was on a stag do. Um, I was marrying the couple that, um, the, that, for the wedding, and, um, and just all these guys on this stag do were like, whoa, there's a priest here. Let's talk about God for the whole stag do. And I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> But here we go. We had some incredible conversations. But when we think of our answer to what what do you do, we understand in our culture and expectation, um, it's to tell people what we're paid to do, or it's what what we're currently like studying, or what we're what we're doing. And it can feel uncomfortable if our response leaves people puzzled um, and how to respond to our answer. Um, I had a friend who decided to um, answer that question completely um, differently. Um, and so if someone asked my mate, what, what do you do? He says, well, I, I like a lie-in on a Saturday, so I lie-in. And I'm trying to be more disciplined, so I get up and I go for a park run. Um, and I, I love cooking. I'm not very good, so I'm kind of going through this cookbook um, at the moment I got for Christmas. Oh, I'm part of a home team at church. And I love to serve. I love to see and welcome new faces and meet new people. Oh, and, I'm, and I'm a teacher, too. And that might feel like an odd, strange response to the question what do you do but what is that question really asking it's 
It's asking, who are you? And our culture today will try and um, put the two together. What you do is who you are. And we so often find our identity in our paid employment, if, if you're lucky to be in paid employment, or if you're, um, if you're studying, or whatever the situation you find yourself in. But what we do, who we are, is so much bigger than that. It's way bigger than those material things. I think it's really helpful to remember that what we do and who we are. Um, well, just like Esther. What did Esther do? She was the queen. Well, what, what did she really do? She, she trusted God. She risked her life. And she saved the Jewish people. She redeemed them. Esther chose to let her identity as a Jew dramatically influence what being a queen looked like. She could use her position to save a whole group of people. I love when she says, if I die, I die. She was prepared even to take a risk, to risk her life for it. To see our situations the way God sees them is to separate our identity from the jobs we're in or the situations we're in. Our situations don't define us. God wants you to see, uh, God wants us to see our situations not as things that define us, but as platforms in which we can operate within our purpose. Because being queen wasn't Esther's purpose, but her purpose, was inf- uh, her purpose influenced what being a queen should look like. I'm going to say that again because I slightly messed it up. Being queen wasn't Esther's purpose. Her purpose influenced what being a queen looked like, and particularly in that moment. So whatever your situation is, God wants to give you a different perspective for it because that's not your purpose. But your purpose in life to become more like Jesus, to to be a child of God, to reflect God's glory to the world around you. That's your purpose and that will influence everything that you do because when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Our identity, well, our purpose is our identity in action. So let's be clear about our identity. When we see ourselves, how God sees us, we see that we're more than just an employee of this company or um, a student of, of this course. We hold so much more value than we could ever imagine. And when we see our current situation the way God sees it, we see that every moment is an opportunity for God to move in a powerful way. Nothing is too mundane, nothing is too boring for God to use and have a huge impact through. No situation is too far, nothing is out of God's reach to bring back and cause for good. Our jobs or our current life stage, our situations, they don't define us. And so when you, tomorrow, when you step back into work or when you step back into your situations, let me ask you the question, who are you? Who are you in those moments? Well, perhaps um, through this series that we've been looking at, you might be one of these three people. You might be, a, you might be like Nehemiah. You might be a bricklayer. Noticing the broken. Noticing what needs restoring noticing the person going through a tough time noticing broken people around you and you're a bricklayer because you're going to rebuild your purpose in that situation is rebuilding dedicating yourself to rebuilding the broken bringing healing comforting the lost or perhaps you're like Daniel you're a mold breaker you're you're called to resist the temptation to just fit in and you're called to stand, to stand out, to live, to live distinctly, to be the positive voice in a, in a negative environment, in a negative staff room. 
Or perhaps, like Esther today, you're, you're a risk taker. Because you walk around life so, so confident because you know who you are. You've got that new perspective. You're so confident about your situation because whatever the situation, high, low, somewhere mundane in the middle, it's an opportunity. Your situation is an opportunity for God to move in a powerful way. Are you a bricklayer? Are you a mold breaker? Are you a risk taker? That's what this series has been about, giving us the confidence to step into every situation of our lives and to live out our purpose as God created us and intended for us. A couple of weeks ago, Alex said that our primary calling in life, particularly for Christians, is to become more like Jesus and to do the things that he did. And Jesus did exactly this. Jesus saw the brokenness of the world and he stepped into it. He brought restoration. He healed the sick. He comforted the lost and the lonely. Jesus, who better than anyone lived a completely distinct life, totally holy, resisted temptation to to fit in, resisted temptation to meet other people's expectations. He was a mold breaker. And Jesus not only risked his life, but he gave his life so that you could find life and have life in all its fullness. Jesus never asks us to do anything he hasn't already done for us. And in him we find purpose, in him we find hope, and in him we find life. Who are you tomorrow? Are there any bricklayers? Are there any mold breakers? Are there any risk takers? And I pray that God would give you the confidence, God would give you his spirit, what God would give you everything that you need to to live your lives full of purpose, full of joy, full of peace, because anything other is just short of what God intends for your life. Amen. Amen. Would you like to stand and we're going to worship, we're going to pray.